BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. looking at you i haven't seen you, you in do. a few days because we recorded last week yeah. at an odd t- a little early yeah, because that's i right. had to we fly did. to los angeles for for watch what happens live in los angeles which looked like so much fun plug it, to bravo our sister network honestly it was so much fun but it was like the most work i've ever had to do in like I mean, 72 hours and i at one was point, it only 72 hours? Yes. It oh was like God. a full three days. I wanted to kill either someone or myself, but then I thought this is great content <laughs> for, for my podcast. podcast. Absolutely. So this is me just working overtime. And right. I got to say, there were a bunch of martinis and murder fans there. Oh, were there? They all shouted us out. They said hi to you. It was hey. really great. Like we had a lot of good fans in Los Angeles. So thanks, LA. We should note, they, none of them wanted you to say hi to Matt though, right? No, 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 Didn't think no. so. They didn't even think Matt existed. Oh, good. Yeah. They don't even hate Matt, because it takes energy. Then we're doing our they jobs. They don't even think about We're Matt. doing our jobs. Yes, exactly. Wonderful. Um, we're joined today. Megan's in the room with us as usual. As Just usual. setting the scene here for everyone who knows. Otherwise, it's a, it's normal. Yeah, we don't have normal. any we don't have any major fans in the audience today, right? Not this time, no. no. But that is something we should do eventually. Like every couple episodes, like have a couple of fans in to have like a drink with us. Maybe instead of offering a shirt, we should offer people locals yeah, to come do right. that on Matt's Instagram. <laughs> so let's this is something to play around with. I people. love that. And speaking of shirts, we did give away our five shirts. Yes. We are in contact with the winners. And if you want to buy your own shirt, Martinis and Murder, or uh what are the other things like water bottles, mugs, all that stuff is at shopoxygen.com. There's, There's sh- yeah. all the shit over there. Check it out. And the uh, link is in our description. While we're Megan's selling our own yes. merch and our other stuff, we have right. to continue talking about our big thing, crime yes. coming up. Yes. Um, so we're so excited. Uh, we're going to be available throughout the whole weekend. And so we're actually, all, we can finally announce this, which I think is yeah. our first time. We're actually hosting, John and I are hosting, yeah. a Crime Con Unplugged on Saturday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, yeah. in Nashville, Tennessee, um, at the Wild Horse, Horse Saloon. Saloon. Wild Horse Saloon. Saloon. Ooh, that was good, Thank John you. boy. I have a lot of I'm from like Western Maryland. Lots of people talk with that affect, so it's it's in so there. So it's ingrained in you, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to be a night of drinks, music, mingling, plus an exclusive show that we re- that will reveal a side of our guests that you've never seen before. True, it, it's fun. It's going to be so fun. We're going to pit our guests against each other in a variety of games to test their wits, nerves, and their ability to laugh at themselves. Now the guest list will be announced shortly, yes. uh, but you definitely don't want to miss it. And tickets are actually available at crimecon.com slash unplugged. And that link will also be in our description. Right, Megan? Come yes. see us. Um, but like I said, we're not going to be just doing that. You know, we're just, that's kind of like the big event. A lot of, right. you know, it'll be a really fun time, but we're going to be there all weekend. Podcasters row. Definitely getting drunk at inappropriate times. times. We'll trying take- to murder Matt. And I know, I will say, we. I don't know that we should mention it yet, but I have been working with our uh, team here at Oxygen about some of the things we're giving away at our booth uh, and elsewhere. Can you tease a little something? Let's like, just say if you like our faces, uh, you're going to like some of the posters that will be available. What okay? if we hate Matt's face? Luckily, there are none of Matt's Thank face. Thank God. They took our Nobody notes this time. <laughs> Nobody hates my face. They took our notes. Darren. In all seriousness, we've... T- yeah, exactly. They took our We're notes. We're just like, we don't want Matt anywhere. <laughs> we do. I mean, Matt, what are you going to be doing uh, at CrimeCon? Because, you know, last year, we weren't quite as big as we are now. Is this just a free trip for you, Matt? Yeah, or are you like, just trying to, like, come on to our trip? Will or? you be wearing the mask all weekend? Yeah, like, what are you... What's your role? 
I can't discuss it. Oh, Interesting. Oh, that seems convenient. But you know what's funny is last year... Convenient. I'm going to bring my knife, though. Oh, good. <laughs> have fun, TSA pre-check. Yeah, have fun with that. A lot of fans last year, you know, Darren, you couldn't make it last year, but I was there representing the show. And, you know, we were still kind of new, only a few months old at that sure. point. But there were still quite a few fans that recognized uh, me in the show. And they were like, is Matt here? And I would be like... I don't know how to answer Maybe? that. <laughs> Question so finally, mark? I would see. I saw Matt like in the hallway. I was like, "What do I say whenever people ask if you're we here?" We should just be like, "We cannot disclose that." We cannot disclose it. I think it's fun. I mean, obviously, we've told everyone Matt will be there at this right, point. Right, allegedly. So see if you can track him down. Yeah, we cannot confirm or deny Something, you know, any details about anything. I know there are some fans that were at our live shows at Caroline's that will be at CrimeCon, so they know yes. what Matt looks like because he did the whole like reveal, right, or Matt? Do they? Think? Did you do it on both shows? I can't remember. There are very few people in the world. Yeah, I was going to say. Very few people know what Matt looks like. Uh, There's a very exclusive group. Crime Con, I will be wearing the head the whole time. The whole time? When I'm sleeping, when I'm breakfast. Good. Of course, when I'm showering. <laughs> when and if you shower. Right. I, I wouldn't expect that It's over that three to days. Happen. He may not even shower once. Right. That's true. Luckily, we all have our own, room, our own rooms. Yes. Well, speaking of things that you can drink. <sighs> yeah. Because you can drink a shower water. Right. I wouldn't want to drink Matt's shower water, so but gross. you can. I'm literally getting nauseous. I'm parched. Last week was muddled onions. This week is shower water. Did can you we really just like that on? story with the <sighs> taking a pickleback shot, but it was like onion <sighs> juice instead? God, stop, please. Really, it really was good. So gross. Now, what the fuck are we drinking? We are drinking a bloody jasmine. Ooh. Shout out to anyone named Jasmine that's yes, listening. Yes, as the Disney princess. <laughs> or anyone that likes blood. <laughs> right. That's everyone listening to this podcast. Everyone likes it, yeah. Um, and we're actually, we're, we're drinking this because uh, it's an Australian thing, I guess. Oh, we're going down under. Uh-huh. Down under. That's right, because <laughs> we that are instantly. doing Ivan Malat, yeah. also known as the back. There's a movie about this. I was going to say. It might be too babyish to Babyish. Babyish. I have silver uh, whiskers. I don't think I'm babyish, but. Well, you're old, sweetie. Um, Oh, thank you. And we're actually having this drink and we're covering Ivan Malat because it was recommended. Um, oh, I didn't even know that. by a fan, JackJack26. JackJack26! Nice. Thank All you. Right, who is from Australia. I was just going to say he has to be from. actually our third country in terms of listeners. Oh. Well, I lived in Australia, so right. shout out to Aussie, man. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and she wrote, I love martinis and murder. I think you guys should go international for your Australian fans like me. What about a show on Ivan Malat? Or Snowtown Murders. Don't you know South Australia is the serial killer capital of the world with the most serial killers That can't per be capita. true. You know what? Per ca- I believe oh, it. Per capita. Per capita. Okay. Oh, those Aussies, man. I know. You know, can't trust well, them. Well, everyone's drinking. They're insane. Kangaroos. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> the things we know about Australians. <laughs> right. Koala bears. You yeah, know, the, the whole thing. thing. Yeah. Right. Lots exactly. of con- we sent all of our mentally ill people to... there, all of our convicts there. Yeah, Australia's just getting our dregs. There I you guess go. That explains it. Matt, your next it. trip is off to Australia. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how we want to tell you that. So what's in this okay. drink? So what's in this drink is four pillars gin, uh, and it's four pillars bloody Shiraz gin. I, I think it's safe to assume. We've never, none of us have ever had this gin. It actually has Shiraz in it. Okay. Oh. Right? And it's a reddish color. What's, yeah. a, what's a pillar? Four pillars. Like, I don't know. Maybe the... Like a pinch? The like distillery has four pillars out in front or something. Okay. Oh, okay. Like a pillar. Right. right. I don't okay. know. Um, so that's in there. Um, three quarters of an ounce. Three quarters of an ounce of Campari. Or do you say compare? No, it's compare. That's what I said. It and is compare. And he said compare, and he acted like he knew. Well, he was correcting me. All right, then I got my knife out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> three quarters of an ounce of dry curacao, three quarters of an ounce fresh lemon juice, one dash of orange bitters. Shake it all up, put it in a glass. That sounds very colorful. We got lemon, we got orange, we got red in there. It I'm does. excited. I'll have like a half drink though, Matt. You were asking, like, I don't want a whole thing. I, I'm just, I haven't been finishing the drinks lately and I feel like I'm just No, sweetie, I'm a little upset with you well, because our podcast is called Martinis and Murder. Listen, you need to commit, I'm drinking sweetie. it. I'm drinking it. I just get a little too like tipsy because I'm such a lightweight. I, I want the fans to start shitting on you a little bit. If you're going to commit to the craft, commit to the craft. All right, all right. Commit to the craft beer. All right, the craft beer. Like, come on, no Johnny. No more beer. We had talked about that. We had 
had Yingling's once. It's the last time we're going to have beer on and the that's, show. Yeah, I know. And all of right. course, Yingling of all the things. Exactly. Let's get into the murder. Let's get into it. Okay, so as Matt mentioned, this is the Backpacker Murders. Now, this is somewhat, you know, as I was reading through some of the research here, reminded me of Trail of Tears, the episode yeah. from Canada, I believe it was. Definitely. Um, in that it's a similar kind of scenario, I would say. But as mentioned, we're going down under here to Australia, and mm-hmm. I have a decent Australian accent, so I may break it out from time to time. Be warned. Oh, I'll be the judge. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh right, because you live there. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, Ivan Milat was born in 1944. So this isn't, uh, you know, we've done a lot of like the recent or 80s. This, this is, is like pre my parents. Yeah, so that's exactly. way back. This is Matt's era. And spent his childhood in Bosley Park, Australia, about 20 miles outside of Sydney. Yep. He came from a working class family, grew up in a wa- weatherboard house, and ha- that had a dirt floor with his 14 brothers and sisters. So a small family small home. family. Yeah. Um, I don't even have 14 friends. I was just going to say, I don't even think I could count 14 family members. Like, we're a very yeah, like close. In total. Like, yeah. in total. No. I don't think I do. No. Um, fun fact, we just announced that Oxygen will be doing a two-hour special on the Turpin 13, the 13 Ooh. kids that were found Just being recently. Held. Yeah, so check Thank that out. Thank God, because that's the weirdest fucking story it's I've so ever... so crazy. Yeah. Oxygen.com for more information. <laughs> Ivan's mother was only 14 when she met Ivan's father, a 32-year-old Yugoslavian immigrant, and they got married after two years of dating. Um, his parents were strict and instilled a strong work ethic in Ivan and his siblings. Matt, what are you showing? Nothing. What's happening here? If I tell you, it's going to be very embarrassing for me let's just for say you? he showed me someone that's very attractive okay that i find very attractive okay who we, but ju- I who we recently mentioned on the show no because it's oh. a lady well then p- please yeah keep just it get away. it away yeah, from keep me. it away from me continue all right um <laughs> matt just interrupting the show yeah, just here. i mean it, i mean i'm fine with it uh, okay yeah yeah we'll find out what Something this is i do from time to from yeah, time we to just time. share pictures of What's the big deal? That, that wouldn't surprise What's me. What's the big deal? Anyway, exhausted after raising over a dozen children, Ivan's mother sent him to Boys Town, which is a home set up by the Catholic Church to help overburdened families and straighten out uh, disobedient boys, which I didn't even know was a thing. No, but it kind is of... Is boarding school, essentially? It's... Yeah. Uh, I could run a Boys Town shelter. Why? Because my wife worked there for 10 years. She was actually... Oh, my God. Uh, ...over multiple states. There are... Are they all run by the Catholic Church? It started as a Catholic Church thing, and the Catholic Church is probably still involved on some level. It's Father Flanagan. Okay. The, he's not heavy. He's my brother. There's a famous... It's in, like, Austin Powers. They say that. Okay. You know, that's, it's been around for a long time. They actually have an endowment. They have an endowment of, like, a billion dollars. So their services are really, really, really good. Why is and it called Boys Town? Like, what's that? Because where it was started... Um, Boys would come in, like to the Midwest uh, okay. in Nebraska, and they would be searching for farm work. Got and it. so there were vagrant boys that had like nothing to do, no home. So Got they started it, it there. Wow. It's just one priest started it. Okay. Um, and it's basically this is like an advertisement. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right, that's great. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, it's like um, we we get it. <laughs> shout out to Boys Town in Chicago, the gay one of the gay areas in Chicago that oh. I've hung out in. Anyway, um, like I said, he spent the beginning of his teenage years at Boys Town. According to his mother, quote, he loved it there. He passed passed his exams and learned bakery and all. The brothers there said there was never any trouble with him and he was an altar boy. So seems like everything was just as it they could have planned in terms of sending their son away for I mean, listen, 14 something. siblings. Right. You know, I mean, there's going to be out of behavior ones and it's hard to keep everyone in order. I know. I wouldn't even remember their names. No way. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. 
or go to amazon.com slash ad free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ivan moved back home right before he turned 14 and he was an angel according to his mother. He started mirroring his father's hardworking personality and at age 15 he began taking odd jobs as a manual laborer. Along with his brothers he had an affinity for hunting, guns and fitness. So this is a young guy who wants to contribute. I mean he's still fucking teen doing odd jobs. Like he's clearly a hard worker. But at 17 he started having run-ins with the law and he racked up several charges related to car theft, home invasion and armed robbery. His crimes escalated in 1971 when Ivan was accused of allegedly raping one of two female hitchhikers he picked up after threatening them with a knife. According to court records, Ivan allegedly said he wanted to make love to both women Ew. and when they rejected him, he said, quote, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill the both of you. You won't scream when I cut your throats, will you? Either one of you has sex with me or I will kill you both, end quote. I mean, men are so desperate. Right? I mean... It's true. I agree. There are better pickup lines, men. Let yeah. me just tell you. Either have sex with me or I'll kill you. Shouldn't be on your top three. I agree. But this is why the Highway of Tears does make sense. Even though we don't have these direct threats, it's a little bit like these vulnerable hitchhikers coming in and he's taking advantage. One of the women agreed to have sex with him if he promised to not kill them. He then allegedly raped the woman. The other woman said that after Ivan raped her friend, she asked him if he had done this to other people and he said he had. According to her, Ivan admitted that he picked up hitchhikers a lot and carried knives and ropes in case an opportunity arose. So right away, it's like... He's prepping for well, this. Definitely that, but I just think of how, how hugely contrasted his childhood was to what he's doing now. Well, he had like tough childhood. Then he comes home before he was 14. He's an angel, apparently. Fast forward two or three years later, he's He's raping women. Yeah, doing crazy. So what happened? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting at. I'm like, what happened here? Um, When Ivan stopped at a service station, the women escaped and reported the rape to police. Good. According to Ivan, the sex was consensual and he was later acquitted. Okay, we could dig into that, but we only have so much time. There's way more to the story. Yeah, following his father's footsteps, Ivan became a road worker and ended up marrying a teenage girl, Karen Duck, in 1983. Karen said Ivan loved guns and cars, and during the first year of their marriage, he often took her on picnics to the Belanglo State Forest. That was a little more British than uh, Australia. Belanglo State Forest. Belanglo State Forest, where he shot kangaroos. Yes. Very, um... You know, just very casual. Some people go hunting for... I mean, I really hate to think about shooting kangaroos, but maybe that's what they hunt in Australia. I wasn't that's hunting true. in Australia, so no. I don't know. I didn't hunt. That's surprising. I know. I it thought is you surprising. would have done that. But, you know, Going- class... <laughs> Going by nicknames like Bargo Bill, Joe Spanner, Texas, the Texas Ranger, and Mac, well, thank you. Ivan was obsessed with Western culture. He had a cowboy alter ego and always dressed up in well-polished boots and a stockman's hat. And I immediately, oh, thank you, Matt. This is my drink. I immediately think uh, Woody from Toy Story. Definitely. Just costumish. Like a little bit more terrifying because, right. it, it, listen, we don't know the backstory of Woody, but right. I don't think he was raping Very the piggy bank or anything like that in the movie. You know Very what I mean? Unlikely. Maybe the dinosaur. The the, we just don't know. The lawyers are going to really love this yeah. episode. Um, let's have a cheers, bitch, to cheers, this bitches. drink. It's a very nice red color. Cheers. Here. Cheers, bitches. Okay, you'd always take the first sip and then I'll I'll vamp. Okay, Darren's taking a sip. Okay. Thoughts? Yeah, okay. Nice and fruity, very mm. refreshing. Good job on it being chilled. I'm going to, yeah. I taste the alcohol. Okay. Which it isn't normally as muddled as it normally is. I think you're going to like it. Okay. The aftertaste, though, you definitely get the alcohol in it. Okay. Just try it. Let me see what you, I'll vamp while okay. you yeah, do that. Do, do. Don't make me spit it out. I won't. Well. Oh. But it's refreshing. Hold on. I'm taking one more. Hold on. Like, what is it? You know what I mean? There's something. First what am I? T- I think good. I'm tasting the Campari. Really, that's what I'm tasting. I, I don't know. taste the Curacao that well, but it's Matt. It's good. I'm, it's gonna get, good. I'm giving you a compliment. It's very good. Yes, and okay. this also the recipe came via Gina Pace again. Oh, dude, right. Gina Pace, man, staff boozer. The only Gina one Pace. working on this fucking show. Gina she Pace. just really kind of took our martinis to another level, thank and we God. should really thank her for that. Thank God, yeah. we will eventually. Yeah, Let's totally. not do it now. So we'll be sipping on our martinis throughout this yeah. episode. Um, as mentioned, you know, basically he's Woody from Toy Story. We're he's definitely going to have to cut this out. I know we will. Sorry, Megan, in advance. He even completed his look with a sheriff star. 
Oh, that's even well, more. Well, you know witty. what? Oh, I would not have known he was a, a cowboy without and, without the sheriff, the sheriff star. star. That's true. Um, but his playful fascination with cowboys and Indians took a turn when he started growing his weapons collection. According to the Daily Telegraph, Ivan had a giant arsenal, but he never had a firearms license in his own name and used a fake ID to buy numerous weapons. Ivan engraved Texas on many of his firearms, and he crafted a leather holster for his Western-style revolver. Very bonanza. Very Texas. Very, like, Western AMC, you know, I would go over to my grandparents. Yeehaw. Yeah, it was yeah. just enough. On a camping trip with friends and family, he ran around firing his pistol in front of everyone, mimicking a scene from a John Wayne Western movie, which I was just mentioning. That's not scary. Not not scary. Very normal. His marriage to Karen, however, soon ended and the two separated in 1987 and divorced in 1989. Karen reportedly described him as gun crazy and was frightened of his growing collection, which included large knives and several guns. Karen later said, quote, he often kept the loaded pistol wrapped in a sock underneath the front seat of his car or tucked it into his sock inside his boot under his jeans even when we went to the movies end quote so this guy's a little like okay guns are one thing there's a whole debate well yeah i mean like let's not even get into the idea of like you know you can carry a gun people feel safer with guns and like that's a legitimate concern this guy clearly is taking it to to another level. level yeah for sure um former neighbor said ivan was a tyrant to karen during their marriage but he apparently didn't have trouble attracting other women it was even rumored that he had affairs with two of his brother's wives what a sweetie oh my god so basically this guy's super nice um still ivan took uh the divorce hard and according to the former New South Wales police assistant commissioner, it was the disillusion of their marriage that triggered Ivan's killings, which we're going to get into right now. Now, okay, we can say it was the dissolution of their marriage that triggered the killings, but obviously there's much more than I'm that. Sure, that's yeah. part of his childhood. That's part of everything growing right. up that he... Um, I mean, having affairs with two of his brother's wives, it's like, that seems that's malicious to me, but... Whatever. Totally. So on September 19th. Well, it was a rumor. We have to. It was yeah, a it was rumor. A rumor. But like, okay, even being rumored, like having that, that seems more than just I'm divorcing my wife. So I feel True. weird. Like there's, there's a lot of things going on. On September 19th, 1992, what were you doing? Um, I was, I was seven. Right. Nice math. Thank you. I was probably honestly watching Nickelodeon. Like, okay. I being loved seven. Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah. Who didn't? Of course. I was four. Right. So I was writing my thesis. Matt, um, right. (laughs) Matt was, I think, 63 at the time. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. On September 19th, 1992, the bodies of British backpackers Caroline Clark and Joanne Walters, 21 and 22 respectively, were found by a bushwalker in the Belanglo Forest. (laughs) Joanne's body was discovered on a rock ledge, and pieces would have appeared to be a gag around her neck throat and chin. Forensic evidence concluded she died from multiple stab wounds to the neck and chest. Caroline was actually found about 33 yards from Joanne's body. Ten spent bullets were found in and around her head. Mm. She died from gunshot wounds to the head. Begs the question why one dying from stabbing one exactly. from gun wo- gunshots. But I thought the same thing. No. Uh, the two had actually been last seen on April 18th, 1992. Again, this is September 19th they're being discovered. Right. Last they had seen was April 18th at a railway station had been planning on hitchhiking to Adelaide and Victoria where they they wanted to take jobs picking fruit. They were missing ever since. On October 5th, 1993, fast forward about a year later, more than a year, a man collecting firewood came across the bodies of two Australian teenagers, James Gibson and his girlfriend, Deborah Everest, who were both 19 at the time. Their skeletal remains were about 27 yards apart in the Belongo Forest. Deborah's body was found at the base of a tree and James was located near a fallen log. Mm. Both bodies were covered in leaves, sticks and debris. Postmortem examinations concluded they had both died from multiple stab wounds so no gun this time yeah they had left surrey hills in sydney on december 30th 1989 to hitchhike to albury to attend a a conservation festival and they were never seen alive again wow so the day after they left sydney james james damaged camera was found by a walker on a roadside at galston gorge north of sydney the person didn't report the finding until about a month later when james's backpack was found in the same area his name had been cut off on the outside flap of the backpack but the name on the inside hadn't been removed that's a weird detail and it's a detail that shows that well at least you would assume that if the killer was the person that ripped it off there's a little bit of like 
you know, trying to conceal and hide what's happening here. You don't want people who to, to know who this guy is. Exactly. They clearly Which I didn't look enough. Yeah. And I think that says something. Yeah. Do, no, it definitely does. A lot of the love stories we talk about here on Martinis and Murder and in Bloodbaths and Prison Time. For those of you who would rather sink down into a soft romance with a fairy tale ending, you need Nectar, the bed that even mattresses dream about. The folks at Nectar are believers in love at first night. However, for the cynics out there, they give you 365 nights to discover your happily ever after. If you aren't 100% happy and riding into the sunset with your new mattress, they will pick the mattress back up for free and give you a full refund. Nectar also promises a forever warranty on your mattress. And yes, they do mean forever, as in till death do you part and then some. The Nectar Sleep Mattress is 11 inches deep, so yes, bigger is better and utilizes a unique five-layer technology that no other mattress on the market has. Why does no other mattress compete? Because Nectar doesn't like to share. They patented the most breathable, cooling, body-contouring, medical-grade lush foam gel memory layer to bring you the most cloud-like comfort. Nectar's memory foam meets your body's contours and provides pressure point relief. So if you long to wake up every morning pain-free, Nectar is here to make your dreams come true. If you buy now with our exclusive listener offer, you get $125 off and two free premium pillows with any mattress order and free delivery. To experience the perfect happily ever after to every day, just go to Nectarsleep.com slash martinis and get the best sleep you have ever had every night for the rest of your life and then some. So the discoveries of the four bodies uh, led Australian police to open a larger murder inquiry, which quickly became a detective task force. They combed through the forest and found the skeleton of German hitchhiker Simone Simi Schmidl, 21. So everyone's very much so late teens, early 20s here. Investigators discovered an elastic band around her skull and gag around her mouth. A postmortem examination showed that she died again from multiple stab wounds. Yeah. On January 20th, 1991, Simone had left Guilford with the intention of hitchhiking along the Hume Highway in Melbourne. She was planning on meeting her mother, who was flying from Germany, to join her on a camping holiday. She was never seen again. On November 4th, 1993, police found the remains of German backpackers Anja Habschied and Gabor Neusbauer, 20 and 21. I might have butchered, good, butchered those names. You know what? That's a good attempt. The bodies were actually found pretty close together, about 60 yards apart. Anja had been decapitated and Ugh. Gabor had been gagged with cloth with five bullets were found in his skull. So... Stabbings, chokings, gunshot wounds. Andre and Gabor had left a backpackers inn in Sydney on December 26th, 1991 to hitchhike south to Adelaide and then north to Darwin before flying home. They were missing ever since. And according to court records, three of the victims had stab wounds that would have caused paralysis. Mm. And two of them had their spinal cords completely severed. It, I mean, these this, are brutal. These are very brutal, gruesome murders that all happen within a span of just a few years. But it is what interests me the most when these things happen, when they happen in pairs. Yeah. You know, and I think this actually got started with the East Area Rapist because there, he, the East Area Rapist botched one of those things where one of them got free right. and the other one was being gagged and bound. And yeah. It seems so odd to me, maybe just because I'm a woman, if I'm one person against two, there just feels like there's a natural disadvantage there. I mean, I guess if you're pointing a gun, but like the fact that this person could sort of do it every single time with multiple people seems a little shocking to me. I mean, he does, he does have a gun, right? So it's it's hard, but. But as you're focusing on one, wouldn't you? I don't know. I know, but like. I I mean, I wouldn't know, but. I think if you're a couple, you're hoping for the best. You're, yeah, you're, and you're scared out gun, of your fucking mind. A gun, you know if you attack, okay, you could both die. And you're right. probably thinking, maybe it's not going to kill us, right? Right, maybe like, there's maybe, hope. Maybe we stay alive by not attacking this person with a gun. But also, why? it's interesting that the bodies are often apart. Well, because that means either he put them there, right? And then they dragged it, or they started running, or he deliberately placed them at that point. Like killed one and then dragged one they're all within a football field within each other that just seems well matt touched on something really interesting which was that you expect that maybe if you stay alive you won't be killed and all true and you know with all the horrible things that are happening in our in the united states lately with gun control and just like the shootings it always has me thinking like you know i can't help but put myself in those situations and i always wonder what is that transition from okay this is crazy to Oh my God, I might get shot. Yeah, Yeah. or I might die. So that's something that's like so horrifying. And there are probably only a handful of people out there that can even explain what that feels like. But, 
you know, when do you go from I'm just living my normal life to I need to save my own life? You know what I mean? No. And I think it happens quicker than. Yeah. I think it happens in a moment and so quickly and all of a sudden everything changes. And I think the moment that you know that you're probably not going to survive is when that first person totally gets killed. Anyway, very depressing. Something hopefully we (laughs) never have to experience. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Well, let's talk about the investigation into these murders. So at the time, police were certain that they were dealing with a serial killer, according to the Independent. All of the bodies had been found in a region of the Belango Forest known as Executioner's Drop, excuse me, covered in branches and leaves and were in advanced state of decomposition when they were discovered. Their bodies were also reportedly positioned face down with their wrists crossed behind their backs, which is another image I didn't want to have in my head today. No, thank you. But here we are. According to court documents, forensic evidence showed that each victim had been attacked savagely with a great deal more force than was necessary to cause death, apparently for some form of psychological gratification. Well, remember, we said that their spinal cords were severed. They already had paralysis. Yeah, 10 gunshot wounds. This is enough. All but one appeared to have been the subject of sexual interference either before or after the death. Excuse me as I got a notification that I have a meeting soon. Um, so hurry the fuck up. That, I mean, so there have been mostly women, but male A couple of male too. victims, yeah. So does that mean the males were oh. also? Potentially. Yeah, I mean. Sounds like it. And, and I don't know what sexual interference means there that might have been penetration that could be a masturbation uh, um, thing yeah, on top of them like sexual interference yeah um, i've never heard of that but it's hard to say i yeah. mean there could have been some sex act for perform but that doesn't necessarily mean rape right. so it's just who knows let the mind go wild here well, let people. The experts figure figure in the in the movie that's debatable. That's a whole other podcast. That's an entire different, huge debate about what's going on. I'm not about to out an animated character, though. Thank I'll tell you. you that. You're welcome. I have more respect. I, I agree. All of the young victims had also stayed in Sydney Backpacker Hotels and seemed to have headed south along the Hume Highway, the main roadway between Sydney and Melbourne. At the crime scenes, there were the debris of fires surrounded by stones near the bodies, which suggested that the killer had camped there. After police developed a profile of the serial killer, they reached out to the public for help in the form of a tip line. In an article for the Sydney Morning Herald, Clive Small, lead investigator of the Backpacker Murders, explained how police received case-breaking information from several tipsters in 1993 and 1994. According to Clive, a woman dubbed Mary called the hotline and said that in 1977 she and a friend were both 18 at the time, had been hitchhiking when they accepted a ride from a man in his early 30s with, quote, black straggly hair. Um, That could be anybody. That could be anybody. It could be Matt. You never know. After stopping for gas, the man turned off the Hume Highway, telling them it was a shortcut to their destination. A few minutes later, he pulled onto a dirt track and turned off the car. He told them he had to go to the bathroom. And when he got back to the car, he opened the door and grabbed Mary, saying, quote, "Okay, girls, who's first? Mary said she punched the man. And then she and her friend, Teresa, ran into the forest. By the way, love that she punched him. Fucking tough. Well, it's not, you know, like. Like a lot of this is like you were just saying, it's not always uh, it's not always a possibility to like fight be back. Be able to do it, but, but I'm glad she took the do, chance. Yes. I love a good and Mary also, punched him. She wouldn't be able she wouldn't have been there to tell this story had she not done Obviously, Exactly. Right. Exactly. Totally. The only reason we know this. Out or whatever. Yeah. And that also like that makes me think she was oh, about he's, to be sexually interfered. Tough. That's kind of nice. Yeah. And he's not really that. He has a I'm gun sorry, but I don't weapons, care if you're the but... fucking rock. If I kick you in the balls, you're going down. Like fact. And by the way, she plays kickball, folks. So uh, yeah. she has a mean and soccer. She has a mean like what is the word? And when I put on my rollerblades, <laughs> that's when I really am gonna kick you so on the watch goddamn out New balls. York City. Watch out Nashville. Watch out Australia. Don't even try and, and Australia. Yeah. Anyway, she punches him in the face or punches him somewhere and they, somewhere. they run into the forest. They found a spot to hide and lay down in the bushes for several hours until the man gave up trying to find them and drove off. Great. You success. Smart. Very I love this. The girls walked back to the road until they found a farmhouse and the owners offered to drive them to the police station to report the incident. So my, imagine this. You just escaped a potential like rape and kidnapping yeah. and murder. You're laying down in the forest with your friend, probably scared out of your mind for hours. Oh, shit. And then you have to go back out to the road by yourselves. Yep. I would be so freaked out that he was going to like come back and find us. Yeah, who's just like waiting in the perch for them. Exactly. Totally. Who knows what time it was? It could have been dark. Thank God 
they were together. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mary and Teresa said they didn't want to involve the police, but they accepted a ride back to the highway and continu- continued to hitchhike to their destination. Okay. Yeah. What? Do and we look, not learn lessons well, here, look, people? maybe they just didn't have the resources. Who knows? You maybe know? they have balls. Yeah, maybe. And then some guy can kick them in it. <laughs> Who knows? That same day, Teresa also called the hotline. Both women told the same story and they confirmed it later in statements to the police. On uh, November 9th, 1933, a week after Mary and Teresa had called, police received a call from a woman named Joanne Barry. Joanne said that in 1980, sorry, 1990, (laughs) what's in this drink, Matt? What's going on? 1990. Bloody Bloody something. I mean. 1990, she was driving down Hume Highway when she saw a four-wheel drive car on the side of the road. A man was running toward her and he was being chased by another man. She stopped and the man called out, help me, he's got a gun. Joanne let him into her car and they drove to the police station where he reported the incident. He told her his name was Paul Onions. By the way, hate onions. Great and name, Paul Onions. <laughs> that is my fucking drag name now. <laughs> Paul Onions. Oh, boy. Performing live in Nashville, May Paul 4th of the 6th. And that he was an English man on holiday and that he had been hitchhiking when the man who was chasing him offered him a ride before pulling out a gun. Two days after Joanne spoke with police, a man named Paul Onions called the tip line. He told police that in January 1990, he was on holiday in Australia hitchhiking about 20 miles outside of Sydney on his way to Melbourne. After about Thank an you af- for saying that right. I fucking Melbourne, hate when Americans Melbourne. say Melbourne. I'm like, it's Melbourne. And Did, I understand. You live there, right? Weren't you in I Melbourne? I actually lived in Brisbane, okay. but like the big thing was they'd make fun of Americans right. for saying Melbourne, which I get. Well, look, it's just phonetically But speaking, you and I are better than most better Americans. Than we are better than that. I only know this because I watch tennis and the Australian Open is in Melbourne every year. There, so there you, you go. go. Uh, as mentioned, after about an hour of trying to find a ride, Paul, then 24, stopped at a shopping center and bought a drink. When he went back outside, he was approached by a man who offered him a lift. The man took Paul over to his four-wheel drive car and invited him to get in. By the way, can we just stop right here? If you haven't figured it out by now at this part of the episode, please don't hitchhike. Nothing good comes from strangers helping each other on a highway. I believe there was a time like in the 60s, maybe. Like I know my mom has hitchhiked never by herself, but like with a guy friend. Okay. And when she's telling this to me, I was like, what lesson are you teaching me, mom? Mm, And she was like to never fucking do it because I was terrified. Like it just if you're going to do it, please don't be by yourself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Others haven't. Me- oh, Megan has were you as by well. yourself, Megan? I mean, look, I'm she was not by saying, herself. This bitch got balls. I could never do that. Hell no. She was stranded. Did Matt Aww. pick you up? Yeah. Did is Paul Onions why- pick you up? That's why she's here right is now. Is that why that's you're the way met. that you are, Megan? Okay. That's where they met. Yeah, that's where they met. And then this podcast formed. <laughs> they got in a car and they drove straight here and started a podcast. And I was yes. like, do you like martinis? Do you like murder? <laughs> Jimmy Tomato and Megan Lettuce over yeah. here met up with Paul, Paul Onions. We had a little BLT. And suddenly it's a salad podcast. It is. All right, we're really taking this to a weird place. Darren, is it just me or does everyone have at least three friends who got engaged over the holidays? Oh, tell me about it. Logging into Facebook or Instagram feels like visiting a jewelry store. We get it. Your rings are gorgeous and your Pinterest weddings will be divine. I guess we're going to be shopping for gifts soon. I love shopping, but sometimes it feels so complicated. Couples are registered on way too many different sites, but the days of digging through a dozen different registries are nearly over now thanks to Zola. Zola is reinventing the wedding registry and planning process to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. It's free, easy to use, and it's fun. Zola Registry has everything you love about your favorite department store. Plus, things like honeymoon funds, fitness classes, wine subscriptions, and so much more. Their friendly customer service team will go above and beyond from helping pick out the perfect blender to walking your grandma through your entire registry. Plus, the group gifting feature lets multiple guests contribute to big-ticket gifts, which is perfect because I never remember Remember to Venmo post-purchase. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> to sign up with Zola and receive a $50 credit towards your registry, go to Zola.com slash martinis. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash martinis. Join over 300,000 happy couples who have fallen for the perfect wedding registry at Zola.com slash martinis. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash martinis. Paul put his rucksack. Yep. 
in the backseat. I don't like the word rucksack. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Oh, it's like an army term. Um, the man said his name was Bill and that he worked on the roadways. He told Paul that he was an Australian, but had, but that his family came from Yugoslavia and that they and that he was divorced. It wasn't hmm. um, Ivan from Yugoslavia? Okay, Someone was a Yugoslavian immigrant. Mm-hmm. After about an hour of driving, the man stopped the car and pulled out a gun. He told Paul he was going to rob him. Paul then noticed, quote, some rope protruding from a bag under the driver's seat and leapt out of the vehicle and ran. The man fired a single shot but missed. He then caught up to Paul, who was then able to break free and run onto the highway. Uh, oh, sorry, the roadway where the f- where he flagged down Joanne. So again, we're just kind of like re-explaining the situation mm-hmm. with this guy and Joanne. Um where was I? I'm completely lost. He left all of his belongings, including his passport. Yes, thank you. You're so, welcome. Thanks, Darren. You're so great. I'm part of the podcast, Paul too. Paul left all of his belongings, including his passport, in the back of the man's car. So imagine just like escaping the situation. And then you're like, oh, I shit, gotta be everything's honest, in there. It's so fucking annoying getting your passport renewed or like a license. I'd risk my fucking life to go That's back. Into that. I'd be like, excuse me, sir. I know you're going to kill me, but can I get my fucking passport? I know. I know. It's true. DMV are being risked by murders. <laughs> it's a tough call. It's a tough call, especially in New York. Yes. According to investigator Clive, a local woman also called the hotline during this time. She said she didn't know if she could help, but she, but was suspicious of a man who lived in the area. He drove a four wheel drive car owned lots of guns and was fond of shooting. Sounds like somebody we know because guess what? His name was, was Ivan Matt. Oh. oh, no. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I but, thought we were taking it to that. Direct- okay, that's fine. <laughs> Clive explained that though Thanks, they Matt. had no admissible evidence against Ivan, they knew he owned a vehicle similar to the one described by Paul and that he often went by the name Bill. Oh, that was a tough segment for me. So why that don't you take the next one? <laughs> <laughs> Let's that get was to hard. The I can't read numbers. So, according to Clive, on February 26th, 1994, Ivan was placed under surveillance. In March of 1994, the two women who called the tip line, Mary and Therese, who were shown a series of photographs of potential suspects. Two of those men were Ivan Malat and his brother, Richard. Hmm. So Mary did not select anyone from the photos, but Therese singled out both Ivan and Richard as looking familiar. So that says something to me. During that time, arrangements were also made to have Paul fly down from the UK to Sydney. On May 2nd, 1994, right before my sixth birthday, (laughs) Paul arrived in Australia, and three days later, he was taken to the police station and shown an array of photographs and videos. He identified one of the photos as Bill. God damn it, Paul Onions. Yeah. The photo was of Ivan Malat. On May 22nd, 1994, police arrested Ivan in connection with the abduction and armed robbery robbery of Paul at the home he shared with his sister, Shirley Soiree. I want to say Soiree. Yeah, that's how it's looking like. Ivan's girlfriend, uh, Shalinder Hughes. And Are I, these you know Harry what? Potter names? I don't like, what's get happening it. Like, here? Right. But I think it's Shalinder. I would have said Chandelier. Just I looked to it be up. Fun. I w- could have been Chandelier. But, but we try to keep it very accurate. I looked it up. Show. I think it's Shalinder. Shalinder Hughes was also present and appeared completely bewildered and thought police were making a mistake. Investigators then searched the home where they found several damning pieces of evidence. Mm, I mean, listen, she going to support her man. Absolutely. She going to support him. Ivan was in possession of a substantial <laughs> amount of property owned by the dead backpackers. Oh, my God. Hmm. Circumstantial. That's totally <laughs> yeah. circumstantial. In Ivan's room, police found a postcard that began, Hi, Bill, which was the name used by Ivan when he picked up Paul. Oh police also discovered several different types of cartridges and weapons that were linked to each of the murders. Other items like the backpacker's sleeping bags, clothing, backpacks, water bottle, camera, cooking set, portable stove, and cups were found in the home. I like that this guy... Guy ripped off a fucking name from a backpack but kept all the belongings. Right. Like, what a fucking asshole. Yeah, I know. In a photograph of Ivan's girlfriend, Shalinder, she was wearing a green and white striped Benetton top like that owned and worn by one of the female victims. Now, so disturbing. that could be circumstantial. That's true. But imagine that girlfriend, like, finding that out, out. later. Well, also, like, I would want to immediately test it for DNA. Surely there's some traces. Well, she might have washed it. No, that's true. Uh, When asked why he had all these items, Ivan reportedly responded, I don't know, I've never seen it. Or, it doesn't belong to me. What a great excuse. I love it. Ivan was held on charges in connection to the armed robbery and abduction of Paul. The week following, on May 30th, 1994, he was officially charged in connection with the murders of the seven backpackers. According to the dispatch, Ivan showed no emotion, which is a common theme here, when the seven murder charges, six weapons charges, and attempted murder charge were read. No plea was entered and bail was refused. Mm. In a statement read to the court, Ivan's lawyer denied all the charges and said the media frenzy and hype surrounding the 
case would prejudice Ivan's right to a fair and just trial. Now, normally, with all this evidence mounting, the postcard, all the things, like, yeah. granted, okay, it seems like an open and shut case, but... To the defense of the defense lawyer, yeah. we've seen it where a media frenzy can really uh, affect a juror's yeah. decision, and I agree that it shouldn't be doing that. He should get a fair trial. Sure, I agree. According to the Daily Telegraph, many of Ivan's friends and co-workers knew he loved guns and hunting. They were also aware he had run-ins with the police in the past. None of them, however, had reason to believe he was a serial killer. Although, what do we know? Yeah, You no. work for fucking Matt. <laughs> we work at a crime network. We were, yeah, to I've become an expert in learning how to dispose of a body. Ex- so if anyone's going to know, it's us. It, it, right. His girlfriend, Shalinda, also stood by his side after his arrest and throughout the trial. Loyalty. Yeah. Loyalty. I, I want to touch on something you just mentioned, which was that, you know, even, even serial killers, even the worst people on the planet... You know, at least in our country, and I think in most modern democracies, it's so important that they get a fair trial because no matter who the fuck, this is why we always talk about serial. I know. I was just and Adnan say. Sayed, like when you and I really dove into that, and you and I would be talking about it because yeah. it was the first. I felt like that was what murder kind of started with. Sure, we would always say it doesn't really matter if he was guilty or no. innocent, but we know for a fact he didn't get a fair trial. And by the way, we should just mention there was an update with the Adnan Sayed trial. He yes. uh, was granted a retrial. Yes. So, uh, stay tuned. We'll have more information on that. Maybe we'll even do the Adnan Syed stuff. It's so evolving that you never know what's Thank happening God. next. Thank God. This is the power of these podcasts. But yeah, the You're po- doing that script. Yeah, I'll do that script. That's fine. I'm such a pro. I've like been on Reddit for literally days and on end about it. But to, to what you were saying too yeah. is like, especially now when we've learned so much in even the last few years about you know DNA evidence and exonerations, and these are people who, you know by law were convicted of a crime that they didn't commit. So even serial killers uh it's not a perfect system it. no absolutely everyone deserves it. everything balances itself out and even the worst of the worst deserve to be proven that they are you know not are guilty or not guilty yeah this is habeas corpus all that right. bullshit yep it's all important and if you want to debate us hit us up on twitter at jay thrasher at carpe, carpe Darren. Darren. most people seem to agree with that by yes. the way there's no debate i don't think yeah, i don't think anyone's gonna be like they don't deserve a fair trial <laughs> that'd be, be terrible Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, this guy's trial began on March 25th, 1996. The defense argued that there was no proof Ivan had committed the murders and tried to shift the blame onto the other Milot brothers, including Richard. They also claimed that the Milot brothers had planted incriminating evidence at Ivan's house. None of the brothers, however, were ever identified as suspects. With the insurmountable uh, evidence found at Ivan's home, the prosecution argued he was responsible for the backpacker murders. On July 27th, 1996, Ivan Milot was convicted of of seven offenses of murder and one offense of detaining for advantage in regard to the abduction of Paul Onions. I want to say something, though. You know, we were just saying here about how they, you know, potentially planted this stuff. And I mean, if they did do that and he's saying that he didn't know where any of this comes from, as we read it here on the show, that seems a little bit crazy, right? Like, how did you just not find this stuff? Never but saw the shirt before that you gave which, me. Yeah. And like, of course, it sounds that way. But maybe, you know, as somebody who's approaching like... The scenario, you have to think maybe that is a possibility. Well, it's, you know, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. So if there is reasonable doubt, you know, that's definitely important. And you're right. Like that stuff... It happens. Right. I'm not, it's not impossible that someone planted evidence. Right. So my point is just simply that as we hear these stories, which is what these are, they are stories, not evidence or testimony as we talk about them. It's easy to come up with the narrative as you hear the story right. and think that that's exactly what it is. But who knows exactly what could have happened in the real world, you know? So people get, so many people get caught up in the story mode of the narrative. No, I agree. Sense. I mean, the postcard to me 
is the right. thing that's kind of like... Of course, no, of course. Especially with Bill. I mean, yes, they could have planted it or whatever, written in, <laughs> right. in Paul Onion's name. Um, love Paul Onion. I love Paul Onion. John, um, I have to say you're very philosophical. Thank you. I know. Well, no, like, I'm just like, you know, I'm taking a step back. He's like just rethinking his life. I'm just thinking out loud, trying uh, yeah. to make sure everyone He's just gets it. He's embracing the Paul Onions in him. I wouldn't say that. I oh, okay. Say that. You're not no. embracing your own personal onions? No. Okay. No. Uh, anyway, Moving on. Back. You better protect yourself from her, <laughs> I know. She might her, kick you're her You're getting close. I'm getting crass. Is, is, uh, twitching it's right moving. Now. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. I'm not even kidding. Um, anyway, this guy was given a life sentence on each murder count and received six years for the detaining for advantage conviction without the possibility of parole. Ivan has unsuccessfully appealed his convictions. In 1997, he attempted to escape prison alongside other inmates, but his plan was foiled by authorities, reported the Sunday Telegraph. Um, it was revealed in 1999 that he had attempted several other escapes, but had failed each time, according to the Sunday Telegraph. According to the Sydney Morning Herald, in early 2001, Ivan swallowed razor blades, paper staples, and a tiny metal chain as part of an unexplained self-mutilation. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, if you're gonna if you're gonna swallow razor blades and staples, does the tiny metal chain really fuck Matter? I yeah. mean, Jesus Christ. That same year, he also swallowed part of the flushing device in his jail cell's toilet, full of germs, Might I might add. I mean, now he's going to get sick. sick. He should really Clorox wipe the whole thing. We have some sitting here next to us. That's what made me think it's of it. Important. He was much better at killing other people than, than himself. himself yeah. Good point. Good point. Take a drink. In I will. <laughs> thank you. In 2009, are you ready for this? Ivan cut off the pinky finger of his left hand with a plastic serrated knife and to have it mailed to the High Court of Australia, according to the Sydney Morning Herald. This isn't a Van Gogh situation. He didn't love somebody. With a plastic serrated fucking butter knife? Yeah, plastic knife. I'm good. But also, the pinky finger is arguably the cutest finger. Exactly. So you're well, mutilating the, the best looking one. That alone. I know. Oh, so disturbing. Ivan has also initiated several hunger strikes during his prison sentence. In 2012, his great nephew, Matthew Malott, was sentenced to 43 years in prison with a non-parole period of 30 years. He was convicted of murdering 17-year-old David Ocherloni and was... Oh, sorry. With an axe while his friend recorded the slaying. Kids these days. Kids Snapchat yeah. these days. I'm going to find this. Yeah. I think he actually looked up to Ivan. His uncle, and yeah. It was yeah. sort of like a copycat thing. I mean, what? Like a loyalty killing. I mean, yeah. clear, clearly something's happening with this family. Because right. I'm thinking in my mind, the dude's got like 14 brothers and sisters. What the fuck are right. they thinking? I forgot about that. Yeah. Also, if you had any doubt that Ivan was guilty, I, to right. me, the chopping off of the pinky finger. You're fucking like, crazy. This, yeah, I mean, I, I hear oh, you. Okay. Now, if it was a ring finger, we'd all get that. Well, let's get... Let's Marriage is an institution. It's a prison out there, am I right? <laughs> Matthew attacked David in the Belongo, Belonglo State Forest, the same place where Ivan uh, Milat buried his seven victims. Copycat killer. Yeah, this definitely. is like an honor killing here. Yeah. Police believe Ivan may have been involved in even more murders, but none have ever been proven. He maintains his innocence to this day. The Australian films Wolf Creek and Wolf Creek 2 were inspired by the backpack murder. So if you've seen those episodes... You probably are wondering or probably thinking, I've heard this all before. So that's it with the Ivan stuff. Kind I mean, of gruesome listen, what, and tragic and scary. It's super scary. It's it's interesting that he could do so much by himself. Right. And when I first looked up like backpacker murders, I was like, did this guy chop up body parts and put them in his backpack? And like, yeah. it's just like, what was the backpack used for? And obviously right. it was more of like a hitchhiker type of thing. He's taking on these vulnerable people. But mm -hmm. my mind ran a little wild. And then when I actually ran read the story, I was like, this is just as gruesome as I imagined yeah, it to be, totally. just in a different form. And yeah. I don't know. The whole situation is very tragic. I'm glad we have some survivors who live to tell the tales. Yeah, so that way we, we know about it. But I think the ultimate moral here is don't hitchhike. Right, Megan? Mm, oh, good. She's saying, okay, good. Mm, she, okay, Megan good. has to hitchhike. I think that is one takeaway that in this day and age, if you're going to hitchhike, maybe have weapons. Do it with other people. Is it illegal? That's another think, thing, too. I think, I think the moral illegal. of the story, which we haven't done in a while, right? Yeah, you can take it. The moral of the story is... If you hitchhike, if you are a hitchhiker, and someone stops in a four by four, 
and they're wearing like a fake sheriff badge. And he looks and, like Woody from Toy Story. And, and it, or if yeah, he is Woody, like Woody from Toy Story. He is Woody, and he has a cowboy hat. I don't know. That's no. I don't know if that's a car you want to get into. No, yeah. Buzz Lightyear, he'll be your friend. Of course. To infinity and beyond. Yeah. By the way, we're totally going to... You're going to have so many notes, by the way, uh, Megan, as you edit this show from you know our lawyers. I'm fine. Again, that's a Megan problem. That's a Megan problem. She's the one hitchhiking at 4 a.m. by her <laughs> fucking I self. I feel I like Megan needs to learn a lesson. Editing. Probably you not. No. Megan no. needs to learn no. a lesson. Okay. Uh, as Frank goes, I'm concerned. Disney's going to be like, do not use a, <laughs> our character. Like, oh, Woody's a murderer now. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's get to some listener shout-outs. Christina on Twitter says, thanks to Carpe Darren and Jay Thrasher for getting me through my flight to Vegas. Did you listen to our Vegas uh, murder a few weeks ago? Nervous flyer over here. P.S. I'm with you on the death penalty, Darren. Martinez and murder. Hashtag dedicator. Where was I, Christina? Where was I? Not anywhere near her, thank God. (laughs) That's why you're still living, Christina. Do you want to say what you were saying about death penalty? Just that you are against it. I don't believe in it. I'm very anti-death penalty. I believe in innocent until proven guilty. And I believe we have exonerated over 250 people from the Innocence Project, which I donate to. There you go. uh, Based on DNA. Shannon on Twitter says, been listening to you guys starting to get paranoid everyone's trying to kill me they wouldn't make much <laughs> off my life insurance though you guys should do the amanda knox case hashtag cheers bitch watch out for hashtag mad attack i haven't seen too many hashtag mad attacks but i me did either. write I back to her on twitter and i was like matt's definitely trying to kill you of course i just wanted her to know duh i felt like all of twitter should be aware that yes matt's killing you. the whole point of this podcast is to warn everybody by the way i love hashtag matt attack we yeah. might be using that again in the future i love it um what was i gonna say oh i forgot to mention it could be a matack a Attack. Okay. It's his name and attack combined, Matt like attack. a poor man toe. You know what I mean? I'm attack. I'm, I'm a nice poor man I don't man know toe. if I like his. Hey, Matt, Shannon. no one gives Shannon. a fuck about okay, you think. Shannon. She mentioned the life insurance, and I had mentioned on last week's episode that I had been warning some friends about this. Yes. Well, I have to tell you an update. Uh, one of my friends, who I didn't even know listened to the show, messaged me, and he was like, um, Were you talking about me on the podcast about what? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And then I kind of, I realized what he was saying. And I was like, oh yeah, actually that was you. And I'm sorry. He didn't care. It was like, I didn't use any names. It's fine. But it was just so funny that he listened and I didn't even know he really listened. That's amazing. Life mimics art, mimics life. Philosopher. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, let's get to some voicemails. We've been kicking back into our voicemail routine lately. Yep. Our first voicemail is from Cassandra from Minneapolis. Let's listen to Cassandra. Hey, John and Darren. This is Cassandra calling from Minneapolis. Uh, And I don't normally do stuff like this, but I just felt like I had to call you guys because I am currently sitting in the parking lot of the Taco Bell um, eating a Crunchwrap Supreme and listening to the end of your um, Tupac and Biggie episode. So just felt like such a big martinis and murder moment. I felt like I had to call and share. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, I think you guys are amazing. I think the show is great. Um, you guys are amazing, except for Matt, of course. Um, but uh, also, just a side note, you guys definitely do say his last name in one of the episodes and uh, when my husband and I heard it we just gasped so <laughs> just want to let you know that the cover might be blown there I won't say which secret, um, which uh, episode it is because it's safe with us but just wanted to let you know um, anyway I'm kind of rambling but um, thank you guys so much for everything that you do the show is great thanks bye oh I mean God. well she's eating Taco Bell while listening to us so she's like what our super van by the way who hasn't sat in their car eating Taco Bell, listening to their favorite podcast? Crying. I've been very- no, I'm sorry. That's just me then. That's just me. <laughs> very guilty of doing that in the past. I also love that she gasped when she heard Matt's voice. I know. Or, I mean, uh, Matt's name. So we should mention... Um, you know, that, thank you for not spoiling it. And if fans want to find out Matt's real name, that they can go re-listen to all yeah. the previous sixty-nine episodes and figure it out. And you know what? When you do figure it out, yeah, I hope they fucking inundate his social media and just like he doesn't. Send by the him. Way. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't do anything. I right. just want them to like attack the shit out of yeah. him. Yeah, come every once in a while, a fan will message me on like Instagram and be like, "By the way, I know Matt's real real identity," and I'm like, "I can't confirm or deny this." Right? We don't I'm know. Only on Friendster. Yeah, Friendster. Remember well, Friendster? He's that old. He's that old. Only on Friendster. He's like, send me a pigeon. That's yeah, the only I, way you I, can connect with me. That's that's uh, Write it on a scroll <laughs> and my little pheasant boy will come retrieve it for me. All right, we have another one from Martita from Staten Island. Shout out, New Yorker. Uh, <laughs> she actually wanted to suggest the smiley face killers, which probably is arguably 
the scariest, most disturbing title for a killer anyway. Totally. The Smiley Face Killers, but let's take a listen. Hey, guys. Marquita E. from Staten Island, New York. Representing New York. I really think you guys should look into the Smiley Face Killings based in New York. I think you would find it very interesting. I think I think it would be great. So, yeah, that's why I'm calling. Still catching up on Martinis and Murder. Love the show. Darren, love your voice. John, I just love you. You're amazing. So, that's all I had to say. Have a nice day. Well, we, we do have plans yeah, for it, yeah. actually, uh, Martita. So that's good news. Thank you so much for listening and to hope, us. And I hope that's your name. It was kind of tough to hear it on the voicemail. Martita, you, you'll hear it and know who it, know if who it is. If we're wrong, it's Matt's fault. Yeah, just send in. I Matt, feel like that's an easy way to get out of this. Matt underscore the underscore bartender. Harass him. Yep. We'll be giving out a cell phone number next episode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. All of our details for how to find us, how to connect with us, how to see us in person are in the show description. Yeah, I'll s- And that's it for this Come week's episode. Come see us in CrimeCon. We want to fucking see you, Can you believe you, it's peeps? only a few weeks away? And you know what, you Aussies? A flight to Nashville's got to only be like 2000 Who cares? Who cares? It's money. It's, Come it's see us. us. We're worth it. We'll make it worth it. Okay, bye. Bye.